Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. There is a religious order in the Catholic Church that has a great devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Many of the religious orders in our church do, but one of them, the Order of Carmel, the Carmelites. And there are the Discalced Carmelites, and then there's the other uh, Order of Carmelites in general. And they've produced saints who have had a great devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, a beautiful hymn of Flores de Carmeli, and also Our Lady of Mount Carmel, honored within that order. And so today I'm very honored to be speaking with Dan Burke, who is the founder and president of the Avila Institute for Spiritual Formation, which offers graduate and personal enrichment studies in spiritual theology. He's the author of and editor of more than 17 books. He is a host on Divine Intimacy Radio, and uh, he is very much well-versed in the mystics and the saints of the church, and he has a new book that we're going to discuss, which is about one of those powerhouses of the Carmelite order, St. Teresa of Avila, the book The Devil in the Castle, St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul. So thank you so much for joining me, Dan. It's great to be with you again, Father. It's great. It's great to have you on Divine Intimacy Radio as well. So, yeah, I recall that. The... I recall <laughs> that interview back in the day, and I was trying to remember beforehand what what book it was. But uh, I would venture a guess that it was a Lenten journey with Mother Mary, and it was interesting that when I wrote that book, a Lenten journey with Mother Mary, I had no idea that. COVID-19 was going to happen. And people who were reading it during that Lent were like, the whole world shut down. Uh, They said, you know, this book really paralleled all of the events and the different intentions. And they thought it was just an act of God, really, of how the book really helped them and spoke to them as what they were experiencing in that time. And I know for you, you had an experience with COVID. And in fact, you were probably one of the first Catholic media personalities that came down with COVID in a very prominent way. And you were hospitalized. And I remember there being prayer chains and calls for rosaries and everything like that. And as we approach now this anniversary, the second year of living with COVID and entering then into the third year with COVID, what was that experience for? you yeah i mean it was a total miracle i because i was already um very sick before i got covid i have um, severe lung disease and i was um actually on a three-year decline at the edge of a medical cliff they call it and then uh nine out of ten people die with my condition who get covid and probably given you know just in normal circumstances but given where I was at, I mean, there was just really no other than divine intervention and all your prayers. I wouldn't be alive. But yeah, it was a wild ride. I mean, uh, I it, uh, there was a spiritual dimension to it. And I was just talking with uh, exorcist last night, who's staying at our retreat center, and and he noted that um, there was a spiritual dimension. Father Chad Ripker and I talked about it too. And certainly for me, it was a deep, dark purgation. I, I, the only thing I could liken it to, although I don't claim to connect it, you know, fully, is when Jesus said, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" The, uh, I, I guess on a human level, a sliver of a sliver of whatever he suffered, but I was in total blackness. And um, my wife said it seemed I was in total despair. I don't. 
I don't remember that. I just remember not being able to pray um, other than to offer up my suffering for, for people. That was the only way I could pray. And it was just saying a name and then weeping and, and struggling. Uh, I was intubated right away, you know, when I went into the hospital, which is b bad. Uh, my wife heard three days as she put me in, and she thought she might not see me again, but then she heard three days interiorly. It was probably a locution. And um, three days in, uh, there was all kinds of mayhem in my room. I was partially anesthetized, so I didn't understand what was going on, but apparently I had, even though I was restrained, I had pulled my intubation tube out. Now, somebody said they saw in a, uh, in their, I don't know, in a dream or in prayer or whatever, that, that an angel did it. I don't remember doing it. I'm not claiming that, but I was restrained so that I wouldn't do it um, because it's dangerous. Usually people die if the tube gets pulled out and I also had an IV in my neck, uh, uh, one of my main, my main artery there. And so anyway, but uh, they call, uh, my, my pulse oxygen level was up, um, which is not normal. Um, so I called my wife and said, hey, you know, your, your husband's okay, but he pulled his intubation tube out. And I have good news to report that his oxygen level is, high, is very high and he's going to be fine. Well, definitely a miracle, and we can, of course, uh, attribute these to the prayers of so many. And I know the rosaries that were prayed, so Our Lady truly had a hand in all that. And you mentioned prayer there, and, uh, you know, the one of the prayers you were able to offer was the prayer of your own suffering, and um, you couldn't pray in the way that you would like to or are normally accustomed to. But one of the great teachers of prayer has been St. Teresa of Avila. And I know that you've had a long devotion, I think, to Teresa of Avila because you're the founder of the Avila Institute. So what inspired you back in the day to say, we need this institute dedicated to teaching spiritual formation, and why name it after St. Teresa of Avila? Well, uh, the first, the last question I can handle first is I, I was brought into the church through two means. One, the apostolic fathers and the second was uh, the catholic uh, mystics but in particular teresa not on my own doing i was received and confirmed into the church on the feast of our lady of mount carmel in 2005 so that's a long story in and of itself but um so when i came into the church what i was surprised uh to find was that when i was looking for authentic catholic mystical tradition on the internet most of what i found was um uh, was uh, New Age uh, Catholic mix stuff or Catholic light stuff. And uh, I thought, well, I'm going to create a website, spiritualdirection.com, and repropose the mystical tradition of the, uh, of the church back to the church and answer questions about the interior life and all that. And um, I recruited a good holy priest to help me to do that. And, uh, well, we just begin to have requests for courses and so eventually i gave in and said okay well i i i, I had written a best uh i won the best catholic book award for my first catholic book which was called navigating the interior life and and i had put away all of the proceeds for the sake of service to the poor in a non-profit but i didn't know what the lord wanted and uh may 13th may may of may of 2013 uh i talked with a friend of mine who's a PhD in spiritual theology uh, from the Angelicum in Rome, 
um, he, I said, uh, in 10 years, I want to start what, the, something like the Teresianum in Rome, which was the Carmelite Formation Center. But I said, I want it for everyone. I want the poor, I want anyone who, can, who, who, who wants it can get it. And he said, I want to do it now. And I said, okay, I have the money. <laughs> so uh, we, we've made sure that we take care of the poor and we've given away, I think, like a million dollars in scholarships. Um, right now we have about 700 students a quarter, something like that. Well, that's great. And they're learning about the spiritual tradition. They're reading, I'm sure, some of these spiritual classics. And you've just written this new book with Sophia Institute Press, The Devil in the Castle, St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul. And The Devil in the Castle is really talking about one of the great principles of St. Teresa of Avila, and that is the interior castle. This is a book that she wrote, and I'll tell you this, that I wish I would have read The Interior Castle years before I did. For whatever reason, I never read it, and then I read it one day in seminary formation during a retreat that I was on, and it was a book that helped me to really understand prayer and why we pray and how to navigate. Uh, as your first book was called, Navigating the Interior Life, it was just one of those awakening books for me spiritually. And so what does St. Teresa of Avila mean by the interior castle? Uh, it's, it's an analogy um, that came to her as she was trying to explain. She, she lived in a time where castles were prominent uh, structures. I mean, outside of Medina del Campo, where she met uh, John of the Cross in Spain, there's a large castle you can see it from the convent. And then... Um, uh, so they were common, and so I think that idea struck her of the outer walls and the kingdom, and then the inner, the castle inside the out inside the kingdom, so that she could illustrate the idea that castles can be large, complex, you know, structures with a million rooms. And she even says it's not just seven rooms. Uh, the book has seven rooms, but she said it's more than that. And that God is in the center. Uh, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is in the center. And our journey into the castle it, it has various phases of our spiritual maturity and spiritual battles that happen. And she teaches us how to navigate uh, from the front, for front doors of the castle, if you will, all the way to uh, coming to before the King of Kings and knowing union with him. And one of the ways that she wrote about spiritual prayer and the spiritual life was about mental prayer. And I think so often for the common Catholic, we only think of prayer as praying to God when you need someone or someone else needs something. And so for many, especially I'm thinking of the people who grace my pews every Sunday, and that's one thing I've tried to do and lots of priests are trying to do to this day, is trying to help people go a little deeper in their prayer life, how to pray with the scriptures, how to do Lexio Divina. And so what does Teresa of Avila mean by mental prayer? So mental prayer is simply conversation with God. Um, it's uh, in its easiest to describe form, but the, the kind she's talking about is where we daily give ourselves to devoted time and attention to coming to know him uh, in, a, in a substantive way. So uh, I wrote the book Into the Deep to help people learn how to do this. But basically, 
for her and those who are listening and, and who she was teaching, they would understand that that would mean uh, a sacred time, which is time they would set aside only for God, a sacred space, which would mean um, that there's a place that's dedicated to that meeting, and then sacred attention, which is, you know, uh, summed up in Lexio Divina, but it's filling the heart and mind with God and then interacting with him about the that, that infilling. So practically, that if nobody's somebody's never done it before, it's setting aside the time and the space and then opening up the Gospels, and Gospel John is the best place to start, and just begin reading and conversing with God. And, and don't do gimme prayers, you know, gimme this and gimme that. It's not, a, it's not a time for tasks and checklists and desires. It's a time for relationship. Uh, the most commonly used analogy for this kind of prayer among the mystics is um, the marital embrace. So it's it's a time dedicated only to the pure, as pure as we can, self-giving to the other and the receiving from the other um, in in the in that moment, so that we might come to know him and serve him better. Well, right now we are in the season of Lent. And prayer is one of those hallmarks of the season of Lent where we want to pray more. We want to set aside that time for prayer. Maybe we want to visit our parish church more or going to an adoration chapel or whatever the case might be. So this is a very good tool, I think, for us to deepen our spiritual life, especially St. Teresa's book, The Interior Castle. But then what you've done is you've taken The Interior Castle and you're saying that in our encounter with God, sometimes the devil might be there. And during Lent, the first Sunday of Lent, the gospel we hear right away out of the door, the temptation of Jesus in the desert. And so the reality that Jesus went off into the desert, he prayed for 40 days, he gives us the pattern of our Lenten observance. And there he was tempted by the devil as he was praying. So how does the devil enter into our interior castle of prayer? Well, uh, the, it, it depends on where you are, you know, in the spiritual journey. So in the first castle, in the first mansion, as you enter in, um, his activity, I'll just give you one example and we can go wherever you'd like with it. But um, his goal is to try to get you to focus on the things that you love about your worldly life, um, because when you're entering in, you're leaving the you know the world behind to what to a greater or lesser degree, and the kinds of difficulties you have in your life and the kinds of temptations you have are going to be the more basic kinds that result in mortal sin, you know, um, pride, lust, vanity, you know, um, the pursuit of things, pleasure, uh, uh, position, power, influence, you know, work, whatever. Uh, sports, you know, you, you name the, the the list, and so early on, because you are you are you have a lot of attachments at that stage. That's what he goes after you with, is trying to get you to go back. So he might bring an old buddy into your life who you used to you know go hunting with, or an old girlfriend uh, that uh, is um, you know has some hobby that you love, and she reignites with you because the enemy brought her to you to keep you from spending that time in prayer that you've dedicated to. So that's just one example of, of the demons in the outer court as she describes them as someone's heading into the castle. 
What do you say to someone who says, I don't necessarily believe there's a devil. I don't know if there's a hell. For example, there was a Catholic evangelist, Adam Jenke, who uh, is with St. Paul Street Evangelization. And just the other day I saw he posted on social media and he was asking people to take a survey. And it was about their position on hell. Do you believe there is a hell or are you a Catholic because you fear going to hell? And he published the responses that people gave. And so many of the people said, well, I don't believe there's a hell. Well, if there isn't a hell, then what about the devil? And and we see evil, like you just open your eyes and you see evil, it's all around us. But how do we convince people that really there is this evil reality if they're in denial of it? That's an interesting question. I, I think that, I don't think you can intellectually convince somebody of that. I think you have to have a, a kind of conversion or come to a place in your life where you're open and humble and listening to Scripture, really, um, because Jesus, of course, talked about hell and the fires of hell and how they're eternal and how he wrestled with the devil. So, But if you're not convinced about who Jesus is and how he wrestled with the devil, then I guess he's just a loon or a really nice guy that you don't know much about. Uh, and so you're not going to be you're not going to be convinced. But I mean, if I had my way, I've I've been a part of 24 exorcism full right exorcisms. And um, if I had my way, and I had said it at a recent marriage retreat, I said, because you know, somebody told me there was somebody there who didn't believe, and I said, uh, join me in an exorcism, and you'll believe, <laughs> because sure. you can't you can't when you see the supernatural power of the devil. And of course, God is way more powerful, but when he manifests in uh, vile and, and horrible ways and, you know, when the person speaks in different languages or has, you know, a 70-year-old move, um, then you know, all doubt fades or at least you're deeply confused about what could it cause all of this because uh, it's certainly not human, you know. So I, I just think people have to come to a real uh breaking point in their life and then be ready and awake to the message of the gospel which is that jesus came and died for our sins to reconcile us to god and then uh they'll be able to hear the the and, and receive the reality there is a hell going back to your example of one of the ways that a demon or how the devil uh can enter into our castle by bringing up you know someone from our past or whatever the case might be that becomes a distraction for us and you talked about attachments that we can be attached to certain things and so in the spiritual life we talk about detachment and i'm thinking that's something that we call in the spiritual life the purgative way kind of purging these different things of our life as we seek union with god would that be a correct understanding yeah the the purgative way is like you know you can you can liken it to uh it's it's where you begin in the spiritual life and you can liken it to maybe a toddler with diapers on or something and there's normal messy stuff about that time and beautiful glorious things about that time but um, yeah that period is about getting rid of with god's help and a lot of effort habitual mortal sin and then eventually habitual venial sin it's it's really ridding sin out of our lives, the, the, the major culprit behind uh, what separates us from God and those whom he's placed in our care. And so those are, uh, of course, 
the, the fundamental strategy of the devil is to separate you from God and separate you from the most important people in your life. So um, those uh, getting rid of that sin is, is vital for spiritual progress. And the most powerful way of getting rid of that sin is, of course, the sacraments, but secondarily, and but not a distant second, is mental prayer. I'm thinking that another way that the devil gets into the castle and impacts our spiritual life is by our distraction in prayer. That, you know, you go to pray, and then maybe in your mind you begin thinking about everything else you have to do, that you can't really focus on prayer, that there is this distraction there. And sometimes the distraction can be easily eliminated. For example, if I go into the church and I want to pray a holy hour, but I've brought my cell phone well, now I'm going to be distracted by this cell phone because I might pull up social media when I'm bored, or it becomes a tool of distraction to take us away from what God wants to do. So how is it that a person can respond to distraction in prayer? And I think this happens for people at Mass. Again, thinking about the common person who comes to church on Sunday, well, they're listening to the scriptures or hearing my homily or any other prayers of the mass, they might, their mind might begin to wander. And so that's a distraction. That's really uh, could be perhaps the devil in this castle. So how do we respond to distraction in prayer? You know, I think a, a good place to start with understanding distractions is to step back and ask another question and move to that one. And, and I, uh, and your listeners might be surprised by the answer, but, I'll ask you, Father, to put you on the spot. Do you know when um, uh, when distractions stop for everyone? When you die. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> so the, the, having the proper expectation can help a lot because then you're not getting frustrated and irritated thinking, well, there's some magical place that all these wonderful holy people go to that I can't seem to get to. And therefore, I'm distracted. Therefore, I'm irritated, which is also a distraction that makes things worse. So, so <clears throat> the first, uh, I think, step to deal with distractions is to properly understand that, you know, you're going to struggle uh, most of the time, most of your life. Prayer, mental prayer in particular, is the hardest kind of prayer there is, and that, and part of it is just the the nature of our our minds and how we get distracted. But the Wait, then the way to deal with it is just to actively fill your heart and mind with God. So as an example, if you start reading a passage of Scripture and you're praying and you've invoked the Lord's presence and you've thanked Him for allowing you to be with Him and you begin to read the Gospels, and as you read it, some word triggers, you know, some thought and you go down a trail for a few minutes and you realize that you've done it, you wake up to that you've lost track and you just simply uh turn back um gently not in a frustrated way because that makes things worse um one of my favorite prayers in dealing with this is jesus um um heal the uh distractions within me jesus um uh, banish the darkness around me jesus draw my heart and mind to you or you can just simply say the name of jesus which is in and of itself spiritual warfare and pushes away if any of it's demonic, pushes that away. Um, but it's just a gentle turning back to the text, and then you. And if you're beyond that, if you're more advanced, you know, uh, in prayer, and you don't need scripture, which usually takes a few years of 
daily uh, reflection on it, then you can just simply invoke the name of Jesus or some phrase that of love or appreciation to God that will draw you back to him. But the key is just, in, you know, right now I'm sitting at the retreat center, Our Lady of Mount Carmel Retreat Center. I'm looking at the blue skies and it's beautiful, a little bit of a breeze. Some days it rains like crazy and it's stormy out and some days it's beautiful and sunny. And that Teresa of Avila, one of her letters to her brother, um, said that that's the way the soul is. So get over it. It's just, you just ride with it. And some days are good and easy and some days are hard and, and don't, don't make much of it. Just keep, just, the secret is like the one secret if people really want to learn how to pray and grow spiritually. If I could say the boil it down to one thing, just show up every day, never give up. That's perseverance, and that is a great recommendation. And we persevere, especially during this Lenten season, as we deepen our prayer. Maybe one last question, since this is a podcast, I call it How They Love Mary. How does Mary interplay in all of this? Does Teresa of Avila say anything about the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary here? But I do know that Mary has a powerful role in conquering evil, uh, especially because of what was prophesied in Genesis. So um, what's your take on Mary's role here uh, in combating the devil in the castle? Well, certainly Mary's role is very prominent in spiritual warfare. In fact, if she shows up in an exorcism, it's all over, and that's her role. So I think, you know, every day um, before I uh, move to prayer, I invoke Our Lady of Mount Carmel and ask for her help and protection and uh, to, to help me in prayer, along with uh, Teresa of Avalon and John of the Cross. And so... She's always ready to intercede for us, to protect, to provide for protection. I also pray Exilium Christianorum prayers every day, which are prayers of uh, much uh, to do with invocation of the Blessed Mother for spiritual warfare and spiritual protection. So she's she can never, there is no saint uh, in the history of the church, at least public saints, who d- did not have some kind of devotion to Mary and rely on her intercession and on her helping us to do whatever he tells us. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I've tried to draw out in this work through How They Love Mary, this podcast. And in April, the new book, How They Love Mary, 28 Life-Changing Stories of Marian Devotion, that I look at different holy men and women, saints, yes, and others who could be saints or who I believe should be saints, but all of these people who somehow showed up in my spiritual life over the past 30-plus years— and uh, what they've taught me is I've read their writings and studied their works and how they've shown me how I can be devoted to Mary or some something they said. So you hit the nail right on the head there that every saint has always been devoted to Mary. Some of it, some of them, it's been very um, overt. You know it. They they were very Marian saints and others. It's very, you know, subliminal, like you just kind of discover a a little taste of how they loved Mary. So um, grateful that you brought that up. And uh, this is a wonderful book, The Devil in the Castle, because I think as we continue to 
deep in our spiritual lives, of course, there's going to be spiritual dryness that's going to come in. And so we're going to struggle in prayer and we're going to need to discern where is God speaking and perhaps maybe is the evil one somehow influencing me as well. So this will be a great tool for the spiritual warfare. And as the subtitle says, the progress of the soul as well as we seek the kingdom of heaven. So if people want to learn more about your work, Dan, uh, how can they do that? There's two ways. I would say spiritualdirection.com is really the doorway to all that we do, including the Avil Institute. And the other is our community, which is apostolivia, uh, A-P-O-S-T-O-L-I-V-I-A-E.org. And um, there's a digital monastery out there if you're looking for free uh, formation on how to practice mental prayer, how to do a daily examine, and then also meet with people like Father, who's hosting the show, who love the Lord, uh, priests, religious, and laity from all over the world gather there to help one another to heaven. So apostolivia.org and spiritualdirection.com. That's great. And your new book, The Devil in the Castle, St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul is available from Sophia Institute Press or wherever you buy your Catholic books, ask for it at your local Catholic bookstore so you can help them to keep their lights on. Thanks so much for joining me today, Dan. It's been great being with you, Father. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. I hope that my conversation with today's guest was one that enriched you spiritually and also helped you to foster a deeper love for the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you enjoyed this podcast, could you do me a favor? Go over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the podcast so that others might find it as a recommended podcast from other Catholic podcasts that they might listen to. And if you don't mind, share about the show on social media so that your friends and family might come to find it and be enriched by our conversations as well. And if you don't mind, you can follow me on social media at FR Edward Looney on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And this show, How They Love Mary, will soon be a book available from Sophia Institute Press. You can already go over to their website and pre-order How They Love Mary. Thanks so much for listening. May God bless you today. Know of my prayers for you. And may Mary pray for you today and always.